This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Breakfast the Benz podcast today. Tim Benz with you. Pleased to be joined by a special guest given the anniversary that we're talking about today. It's Glenn Healy, the goaltender for the New York Islanders in 1993. That Islander team beat the Penguins when the Penguins were heavy favorites to win the Stanley Cup for a third consecutive season. After claiming the President's Trophy, a 119-point campaign. The Pens that year were overwhelming favorites to win the Stanley Cup again, but the Islanders had a different thought in mind after beating the Washington Capitals in Round 1. They upset the Penguins in Game 7 at the Civic Arena. The famous David Volick goal that undermined the Pens' hopes of elevating the franchise into the lexicon of all-time NHL great franchises, along with the Canadians of the 60s and 70s, the Islanders of the 80s. But this edition of the Islanders upended the Penguins before they could even get to the conference finals against Montreal. The Canadians ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year against the LA Kings. They dusted the Islanders in five games after the Isles stunningly took out the Penguins. And there are few people who are better storytellers in hockey than Healy, a commentator on a national level in Canada. Now the NHL Alumni Association president. He was a great interview for this piece. Glad we had a chance to catch up with him. Here's an Islanders perspective of that stunning upset of the Penguins back in 1993 with a 30th anniversary on Sunday of Pens versus Isles in the 1993 Patrick Division Finals. So, Glenn, how often do you flash back to that 1993 series against the Penguins and specifically how often do you think back to Game 7? Well, I, I think it was impossible, improbable, for a, a team that was completely on the rebuild with three rookie defensemen, minus our top scorer in Pierre Turgeon, a whole bunch of young guys trying to cut their teeth into the league to go up against, you know, the the, the team that was a, a, an absolute dynasty. I, I don't know if everyone's in the Hall of Fame, but <laughs> if they're not, they will be. But it just the the cachet of wealth that they had with Mario and Francis and Yager, and it's just they were an incredible hockey club, um, and had wiped through basically two seasons of teams and back-to-back Stanley Cups, and, and here we come in, limping into a Game 7 series. So uh, very proud of that group uh, because we weren't supposed to accomplish what we did, but we found a way with a great head coach to accomplish what would have seemed like the impossible before the series. I want to seize on one point you mentioned early in your response there, and that was the absence of Turgeon until Game 7 because of the cheap shot he took from Dale Hunter at the end of the Capitals series before you guys played the Penguins. 
how much was he missed? How did you compensate for his absence? And what did it mean getting him back for Game 7, even though I don't believe he registered a point? No. It, look, he couldn't lift his arm. We dressed him, you know, he was like an ornament on the Christmas tree. He couldn't play, and we knew it. And it was almost like he was our badge of honor that, you know, he was our our best player all year. He was our go-to guy. You know, he would be no different than Mario was to the Penguins. Uh, Pierre might have been a pawn compared to Mario being the queen, you know, because he was the bigger piece on the chessboard. But, you know, realistically, he was our power play. He was our game breaker. You know, the series against Washington, it was his goal that was the defining one where we said, you know, turn out the lights, the series is over. And so when you take a player like that out of our lineup, a game breaker, uh, it, it's devastating for our group. Devastating. And, and we were banged up. Pat Flatley played on one leg. Uh, we had a player that played in Game 7, uh, Steve Junker. I'd never met him before the game. I really didn't talk to him during the game, and I've never seen him since. <laughs> like, and so, you know, and again, like we had a, a, a total rebuild and three rookie defensemen, Vasky, Kasparis, and Malakoff. You know, and both, well, Kasparitis could speak many languages, but Vladdy couldn't and was very shy. And just, you know, the way Al Arbor positioned that series for us, he, he masterminded uh, like an absolute incredible uh, design for us to win. And, you know, the other part of it uh, was through the course of the year, we had new ownership and, and they wanted to trade David Volick all year. And I can recall standing with Al by the team bus after we had won. And the owners came over, and they were very excited that we beat, you know, this the, the the dynasty Pittsburgh Penguins. And Al looked at the owner and said, "What do you think of David Volick now?" <laughs> well, it's funny. That's the exact name Pittsburghers use to describe him around here. It's funny yeah, how that exactly. translates. Um, but yeah, unless but- I'm wrong on this, he was he kind of thrust into action. Had he been scratched previously in that series, and? Didn't he come back because Travis Green got hurt or flatly, one of the two of them? We, uh, you know, he probably went, uh, you know, a calendar month without playing. And even in the playoffs, he, 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 probably, he probably, he had to change the clocks back. He had gone so long without a shift. Like, you know, that just shows, again, like the impossible happening. And he's the go-to guy. And, you know, I think if you ask Pittsburgh, like I, one of their defensemen stepped on the ice and stepped forward instead of backwards, and that's what sprung the two-on-one. Uh, if he had stepped backwards, it's a two-on-two, and there's no foul. Yeah, Olfi pinched uh, on that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and, you know, so, like, you know, what what would have happened? I mean, if you remember that, when we got to overtime, we were up we were up three-to-one with three minutes left. Uh, Mario and, and Yui Krupp took a slashing penalty together, and I can remember looking at the clock and going, okay, I'm not very good in math. But Mario's on the bench, on the penalty box, for two minutes. Three minus two is one. Holy <laughs> we've won. This is, <laughs> this is great. And it was like 30 seconds later, scores, scores. So I was like, oh, we haven't won. And uh, it was everything we could do just to ice the puck. That was like a win for us. Way to go. We iced it. And then we'd come back and try to win a faceoff. And, but it was uh, like, you know, Al basically broke it down to this. He asked Ray Ferraro, Pat Flatley first, before the series, if we could tie one shift against Mario. That's it. Don't win it, tie it. Of course, Flat said yes. 
Good. Ray, what about you? Can you tie one shift against Merritt? Yes. Went around the room. He goes, great. First period's done. We're in it. And then he did it again. And at one point he said, now all we got to do is win one shift in game seven in overtime. And that's what we did. I'm like, this guy's a genius, you know? But I think it was very special for Al because he went up against Scotty Bowman. Right, a, yeah. An incredible coach. And Scotty had the Montreal Canadiens, and Scotty had the Detroit Red Wings, and Scotty had the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, you know, Al had me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were great in Game 7, uh, stopping 42 of 45 shots, and there was a play, a moment, where Ron Francis, who was excellent at the end of the third period, scored one of the goals to come back, uh, set yeah, up a screen. Yeah, he might. Yeah. Did he have a double tip on that Murphy shot before Tockett got it? Did yeah. he? Did he touch it first? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, hey, I, I, I was blaming everyone for that one. I, I'm surprised <laughs> you. If you were in the building, I was blaming you. No, I just. But that that's how it goes, right? They, we, you know, we thought we had it in the bag, and you know, we didn't. We didn't stand down all game, and then honestly, my whole thought process was three minus two as we won, and boy. Don't do that with Hall of Famers. Do not do that. And the pride of Pittsburgh, they, they couldn't have played a better game. You know, they, they were excellent in every area. Just we we got the bounces that we needed to get and, and saves at the right time and, you know, uh, some great plays by great players and blocking shots and sacrificing and playing hurt and all the things that make you really proud of teammates and the team. And that's why when you ask me if I reminisce about it or we – we cajole about it as a group. We're, our group is really proud of what we did there. Like that, that's an, an upset um, that you never would have predicted. Like if they had the sports betting back then, you would have made a fortune, a fortune. But our group found a way, and um, and we we accomplished something that not many teams have done, which is upset. You know, it's David versus Goliath almost in some ways, you know. Well, we're speaking in the very near aftermath of Boston losing to Florida. Uh, they were the best regular season team in the history of hockey. Um, similar circumstances, although I think the Penguins were a better team. But I think if you look at that result, that Tampa result against Columbus a few years ago, those are bigger in the sense that they were uh, a one seed being knocked off in the first round. But uh, in the Patrick Division Finals, as things were set up, I don't think it really matters so much based on what the seedings were by comp. I think it goes to what you said, Glenn, in the outset here. It's that you just look at the Hall of Fame roster and what the Penguins had done to win 17 in a row and coming off of two back-to-back cup championships. You knew that they were great in this regular season, and you got the feeling after the first two cup wins that this might be the best addition of the team, and you guys still derailed them in seven. Well, you've got to remember, there's not, none of those fake points. There was no shootout. Oh, we get a point. We lost, but we get a point. Mm-hmm. They won 17 straight by winning 17 straight. Like, there's no shootouts. There's no gimmick. There's no, you know, playing a game of whack-a-mole and see if you get a point for it. Like, no. So, you know, that was a, uh, truly, like, an incredible hockey club. And, you know, they, they took down New Jersey in the first round like they were just in the way. And if you think about New Jersey, they became a dynasty – Post that, I mean, they we took when I was with the Rangers the next year. It, it took us till double overtime in Game Seven to beat them, and we were a darn good team. We had thirty six Stanley Cups in our locker room, maybe. 
So, and the Devils went on to be, a, a you know, multiple uh, teams, the championship teams. So even when they dusted them off in the first round, it wasn't, you know, the New Jersey Devils that, that Gretzky ridiculed. This was a really good team. And so, you know, Pittsburgh was, was built. Martin Straka played on their fourth line. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he would go on to be an all-star. He would have been, been on our first line, you know, but uh, – but we got contributions from absolutely everybody. And, oh, you, you sure know, did. And, and you know what? Like, I, I watch Penguins-Islanders games now even, and the Islanders just, addition to addition, no matter how good or bad they are, no matter how good or bad the Penguins are, there are just these guys that constantly kill the Penguins from the Islanders. Now it's Bailey and Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. And then as I'm looking back through the roster, even though Turgeon was out, and I remember he used to hurt the Penguins too, Ferraro and uh, Steve Thomas used to kill the Penguins and Benoit Hogue used to give them problems all the time. There was just, and Casparitis yeah. agitated the hell out of the Penguins every game until they got him. Yeah, no, and it, you're right. I mean, Casparitis played a big role. You know, he did agitate Mario in a huge way. And then when they, they did get back out of him, I thought, ooh, this guy can't fight. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that, but that's you know when you have like leadership like Al and he had you believing and like you know honestly when we went in for Game Seven to play the Penguins, the team flew out of two different airports. We didn't have a flight. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> so half the team flew out of MacArthur, half flew out of LaGuardia, and we met in Pittsburgh, and you know. Okay, did they have confidence we were going to seven? I guess not. Didn't have a flight booked. Anyways, uh, and that was, you know, before charters. You know, and then when, when we did win, you know, we uh, you know, uh, we stopped at this little place called the Ruddy Duck. We didn't have any beer or anything post-game. And, I, and we said, Al, can we stop and get some beer? And he said, oh, yeah, for sure. Two cases, no more than two. No problem, Al. And Pat Flatley and I went into the Ruddy Duck and we ordered seven cases and uh put five into the back window emergency exit and flats and i walked on the bus like two little altar boys one case each there we go two cases al and al looked at me and he said i saw the five go in the back and window <laughs> so you wonder why i mean al his nickname is radar mm-hmm. well that's that's there's a reason right there like he didn't miss anything, absolutely anything. So, How about the save you made uh, against Ron Francis in overtime at Game Seven? We might not be talking about David Volick right now if you don't make that save. Yeah, you know what? It's like you know, there's those moments when everything just kind of comes together, and mm-hmm. you don't know why. That was one. That was one of those games. I mean, I don't think I've had one since, <laughs> <laughs> or or before. I think I had one in college that was similar. And that's where, like, Rogie Vashon was there to watch Gary Galley and Dave Ellett play for Bowling Green. And uh, we played us in the CCHA championship. And I had another one of those nights that was like, and Rogie said, well, who the f*** is that? Sign that guy. So, <laughs> I mean, but, like, but I never had one like that. So we had game seven. And uh, just everything, you know what, it was survival. I looked at the clock. And basically what I said was just get through five minutes, just get through seven minutes, just get through 10. And then I looked and I was like, all right, first period, I think they outshot us like 20 something to like nothing. 
and we just got through. And I was like, okay, now let's start the next 20. And the only time I let my guard down was when I was stupid with those three minutes left and, and thinking, well, Marion's done, so that's great. Uh, <laughs> it's a little too soon, Mr. Healy, too soon. Well, Ferraro had a great quote afterwards. He said, the arena was so quiet that I could hear heels skating down from the other end screaming. I'll never forget the shocked look on the Penguins' faces, not the jubilation yeah. on ours. Is that how you remember it, too? Well, yeah, you know, and it's, we all had nicknames, too, right? Like, Ray Ferraro's nickname was the Seagull. Okay. If he wasn't squawking, he was <laughs> And uh, they decided to, to uh, call me Barney because my face was so purple. From, from, maybe I wasn't the best condition guy. Uh, but, yeah, no, that was uh, – we, we, that's how we got along. Though. Like, everybody got along. And, like, if you recall, like the dressing room in Pittsburgh, remember how they used to have the two sides? Yeah, yeah. So you would have the team on the one side, and then the goalies would sit on the other side. Um, we weren't that way. We were like, nope, everyone's in the same room, everybody. And so, but that was the way we were as a team. And then, you know what? When the season ended, there was a bunch of us went to Ireland on vacation together, right? We couldn't get enough of each other. So we just kept it going. So, but yeah, just a tremendous group of people and so much proud pride for what we accomplished when we shouldn't have accomplished it. Uh, how often do you talk to Volek? You know what? Not often because he's uh, on the other side of the pond now. So Volek was funny, right? David was with his first game. I don't know if this even matters for this story, but just Billy Smith used to be one of those guys. You took the last five minutes of warm up. That's it. Okay. And you couldn't raise the puck above his knees or shoot it hard. Okay. Just flip it at him. And then that's, that was, you know, that was Smitty. Okay. Anyway, David Volek's first game in the NHL. Here we go. He's in warm-up. You know, how's my hair look? Everything's looking good. Looking at the crowd. This is fantastic. He comes in on Smitty and just absolutely rifles one high by his gloves. <laughs> so, David, you know, he's in the corner again looking at the crowd. This is great. Wow, I'm in the NHL. Smitty comes over and absolutely two hands him on the back of the legs and knocks him down. Don't ever shoot the puck high on me again. <laughs> Welcome to the NHL. Welcome to the NHL. Yeah, right, exactly. Welcome to the NHL. Yeah, good times. All right, so my thanks to Glenn Healy. Strongly recommend you read the article that we posted about Game 7 at Trib Live on Sunday morning. Also, if you missed the piece that we put up on Friday, specifically about the Kevin Stevens injury that occurred in that game, a very compelling human interest angle to that event. Definitely worth your time to read as well. We're back on Monday, Mad Monday, coming up as Mark returns from Vegas. I was in for Mark all last week. We talked about the 93 final as well in the Patrick division. And uh, Larry Murphy was our guest along the way. We've got that podcast up as well here at Trib Live.